this idea of like what our life was going to be and there was no more possibility of it. I felt really guilty for being able to continue my life. I had so much anger and so much resentment for anyone around me that was happy. It got to a point where I didn't know how to look myself in the mirror and continue living life. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. I learned that I had to really allow myself grace. I got tired of feeling lost. I got tired of not living the life that Caden would have wanted me to live. And then eventually I got to a point where I just realized I needed to stop living my life in this idea. And I needed to start living my life in a way that honors the version of me that has the privilege of continuing to live life. Life is going to happen, but your mentality, your mindset, how you approach situations will really determine your outcome. The voice you just heard is Athena Lopez, and she has one of the most powerful stories that we've ever shared on this podcast. As a young mother, she has had to take on major responsibility for the well-being of her son as well as herself. As a key member of the perennial champion Rocky Mountain Division of Cutco Vector Marketing, she has built strong relationships for accountability and support. But her whole world was shattered by a sudden life-changing personal tragedy. This is her story. The wins, the challenges, a day she'll never forget, her darkest moments, how she came back, and her inspirational view of the future. I hope this podcast can honor the memory of Caden Montoya as we share the remarkable journey of Albuquerque District Manager, Athena Lopez. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My guest today is Athena Lopez, who is the district manager in Albuquerque, New Mexico for Cutco Vector Marketing. Athena's been in the business now for about eight years, since 2013. Uh, She became a district manager two years after she started, spent about a year and a half operating her team in Amarillo, Texas before coming back to New Mexico and taking over Albuquerque. She is having a great stretch of success here recently in 2020, uh, was number eight in her competitive category in the vector business with uh, $555,000 in new business. In 2021, she is number three, already over $250,000 in new business. And she's actually number 10 overall among all district managers in vector marketing with $327,000 in total business. She's produced over $4 million in career Cutco sales, has an incredible story to share. Athena Lopez, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad you're excited. I'm excited to have you here. Take us back to 2013 and tell us a little bit about how you got started selling Cutco. Yeah. So I was in my second year of college and I was attending a small university in New Mexico and I was going to school full time. My son was really young. My son was about two and I was also playing volleyball. So I had a lot going on and I was a mailer. I got a letter in the mail and 
I'll be very honest. The only reason I applied was because I'm very competitive. I saw Vector and I immediately knew Cutco. My dad worked for Cutco when he was in college. And Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my dad and I are just very competitive with one another. Sales was very outside of my comfort zone, but my dad said, Oh, it's a good thing you're not going to apply. I'd probably beat you, wouldn't beat me in career sales anyway. And, <laughs> you know, of course I said, All right, bet. Uh, so applied, interviewed, and fell in love with the position just right off the bat, which was, again, really interesting because it was so far out of my comfort zone. You know, I've always considered myself to be a people person, but I never thought that sales was for me. I was pursuing, you know, a double major in political science and social work. So, yeah, so not exactly sales, but definitely people, people related. So, yeah. And uh, I started in the, in the Santa Fe office and I always say I worked with our Cutco through college program. So really was able to focus on, you know, raising my son and going to school and playing volleyball and yeah. And, uh, working with Cutco just worked with my schedule. So I kept at it. What started as like an idea of like just beating my dad in total career sales turned into, well, I've been here for, for a few months and I, I really like it. So I guess I'll stay. And then that turned into a few years and here we are eight years later. So Yeah. Amazing. It's so cool that your dad sold Cutco. I had no idea yeah. that that was a part of your story. Yeah. And I'm get I'm guessing your dad did not produce $4 million of Cutco sales. So you are probably uh, past him by now. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I passed him my first summer. Uh, so he only sold about 10 K, but to us in a small town in, in Northern New Mexico, where it was just like, you know, the population 1200, it's like $10,000 worth of anything is a whole lot. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, definitely passed him in, in career sales. Yeah. <laughs> 10 K was a respectable summer for a Cutco rep back in the day, you know? And so Absolutely. yeah, he, he had a respectable result, but, uh, you are on your way to becoming a hall of famer in the company. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And you were balancing school with work, having a two-year-old son, when you started, I mean, that seems like a lot of stuff to be able to, to do all at once. What were some of the key experiences and key lessons that stood out from your early career? I think SC1 was really the, really the point in my career where I decided to actually make it my career. I decided to you know, stick with the company. I met through Frank for the first time at SC1. Uh, it was actually at the very end of my fast start. I don't even remember actually signing up for the conference. I just remember my manager coming to me and saying, Hey, we're going to Denver. Uh, just put it in your schedule. And I was like, all right. Uh, <laughs> cool, right on. And uh, yeah, I remember meeting Drew and I just remember he said, Oh, you're Athena. And he shook my hand and he looked me straight in the eye. And that's all I remember from our conversation, from my very, very first conversation with Drew Frank just that he knew who I was and he made me feel special with literally just his handshake. So it was like, okay, you know, this is, this is our division manager and, and this is somebody that everyone almost idolizes and he knows who I am. Cool. I think this is a a good place to be. That's so powerful. And you had, I'm sure besides Drew, a number of other key mentors that have impacted you during your early days. Absolutely. So many, uh, countless mentors, Patty Breton. She's incredible. She is, uh, somebody that, you know, from early on in my career, I, I sought out and I almost forced her to teach me at one point in my career when I decided that I, I wanted to open an office and I was accepted into the leadership Academy program. I really just wanted to learn from everyone. And I, I realized fairly early on that, uh, although my manager was an incredible person, he didn't necessarily have the desire to teach me higher level skills. And, you know, Patty Breton was an hour away running the Albuquerque office. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to learn from Patty. So I remember I would drive once or twice a week, every week uh, around classes and everything that I had going on to Albuquerque to learn from Patty. And I'd just sit in her office, like, all right, I'm here. Teach me, uh, <laughs> you know, teach me all of the things. And I just watch her go throughout her day. And another person is Kina Feldstein. I loved just listening to Kina. She was somebody that I think everyone has a moment in their life where they meet someone that just 
seem so put together that they almost make you question your life. Like, what am I doing? Like, why have I not done more? Kina was that person for me. She always just seemed so strong, so poised, so graceful, so put together. And she was the the kind of person that just, you know, you felt her presence when she walked into a room. And yeah, so Kina Feldstein was another one. Kevin Barth, Kevin, um, man, Kevin is always just so focused on personal growth. And, you know, he's taught me that it's never a wrong thing to pursue things that make you happy. And you should always come first in your life. So I learned mm. that from Kevin, um, Alex Masaryk, he's, man, have you seen Maz? Just his energy, uh, <laughs> you know? Of course. Um, yeah, so, uh, and very early on, I, I remember Alex as a, as a pilot manager for Drew and he always just had such, you know, just so much enthusiasm. He was just so energetic in everything that he did. And he just made me want to show up in a, in a larger capacity, if that makes sense in a bigger way. So yeah, so many mentors. And then obviously Drew, Drew Frank, Drew is the kind of mentor. That's never really just a mentor. He is at at this point in my life. He is, he is family. He is one of my best friends and he, he's always pushing me to be better. And, you know, sometimes he's, he's a little tough on me when I need it, but more than anything, he's, he's really helped me just kind of find my confidence and find my voice. And yeah, so I'll be, I'll be eternally grateful to him for that. That's amazing. And you've been able to work in the Rocky Mountain division, which has been number one in the company almost every year during your tenure. What has it been like working on a champ in a championship division? How has that impacted your career? Honestly, what I love so much about working with Rocky Mountain is we just hold each other to higher standards and Mm. we're not afraid to, you know, call each other out. (laughs) Um, And there's, there's never any malice in that. It's, it's just, we come to the table with love and great intentions and, you know, the desire to help each other grow. No one is ever out for just themselves you know, if somebody comes up with something really great, you know, a program or a system, or they just meet someone really great, or they're really excited about something, you know, we, we share it with each other. And, and again, we just push each other to be better. And it's an all inclusive, it's an all inclusive thing. There's not, there's not necessarily any, any clicks or no one manager is better than another. Everyone is working towards creating the best version of Rocky mountain division. And I mean, yeah, our division has been number one, but it's it's crazy to to think about the fact that like no one's doing anything crazy. We're all just supporting each other and and doing a lot of the right things that we've been taught for so many years. We do a lot of the things that great vector managers like you have done in the past and have proven, you know, to work. And yeah, we just we do a lot of those systems and, and we follow a lot of those programs and Again, we, I think the, the difference really is that we hold each other to higher standards and we're all friends. Like we're all really, really great friends and we support each other in, in everything. Yeah. I love that accountability that you shared and, you know, holding each other to a really high standard. There's an organizational psychologist who's pretty famous named Adam Grant, and he talks about having a challenge network in your life. And the challenge network is a precisely what you described as people that will hold you to standards, that will hold you accountable, that will call you out when they feel like you need to be called out. And what's interesting is that you're able to receive that as constructive feedback, not as somebody being critical of you or giving you a hard time. You're able to take that and use it to help you improve. And same for everybody else in Rocky Mountain. How does that sort of trust get established among a group where you feel comfortable calling each other out, you feel comfortable holding each other to those sorts of standards and know that it's going to be received with love and received in a positive way. I don't think there's really any, any way to fully know how someone's going to receive, you know, what you're saying. I think the difference is, again, we all just come, come to every conversation, come to every table with good intentions. and. I think another thing is just, we spend a lot of time together. (laughs) Um, That's really it. Like I I think about people like, again, Kevin Barth, 
Alex Masaryk, Charlie Boyd, Adam Hayes Lemon, you know, Drew, we've traveled to so many countries together. Uh, and, you know, we've experienced so many things, uh, just even outside of, you know, of our, our business with one another that we really know, we really know each other and we can trust that any advice that we give to anyone is, you know, it's all, it's all just again with, with good intentions. And I think with our newer people, we, again, just take time to get to know our people and we take the time to listen to everyone's ideas, everyone's insight. There's no, there's no stupid questions. There's no stupid suggestions. Just every, every, everyone is welcome. Everyone's a part of the family. You know, if you're part of Rocky Mountain, you're not just a part of a division, you're a part of a family. Yeah, that's powerful. Those deep connections that you have established. How has the pandemic year affected this? And what does it look like moving forward? Well, as far as, you know, how the pandemic has affected us, I'll be very honest with you, like coming from Albuquerque, all of our events being in Denver, that's a six hour drive. So uh, six, sometimes seven, you know, if you have to stop (laughs) a few times, it's a few hours. So it's definitely been a challenge throughout my career to, you know, take my entire team on this drive, talk about like SC2, we have 40, 50, sometimes 60 people driving down to Denver all in a caravan. It's it's a whole lot. So the pandemic is actually, I think it's been something that we just as a division have definitely needed because it's given everyone an opportunity to really just kind of pour into their own cup a little more. Uh, it's given everyone, given everyone an opportunity to really just focus on, on growing themselves in whatever respect that that means for, you know, for them as an individual. But it has also just given us an opportunity to have more intentional conversations and impactful conversations with one another. I mean, you know, in order to hold each other accountable, we all started like different Zoom calls with different people. So my favorite call of the week is a call that I have with Adam Hayes Lemon. And sometimes it's about things that are going well in our in our organizations. Most of the time it's just us talking about life and what's going well with life and you know him trying to uh to educate me on Bitcoin and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, and him listening to me talk about carpool and and things going on with my son and football and yeah so Again, I think it's just allowed us to have more intentional, more impactful conversations with one another and really establish uh, and really, you know, work on just developing and deepening our, our friendships, our relationships. So I think it's been helpful as far as moving forward into in person. I know we're planning on having some in person events later on in the summer, but right now it just sounds like we're using the things we're implementing the things that we have learned you know within this last year and things that we learned while being virtual and really bringing them back into what will be you know in person it's cool to hear that you have such a great weekly call with adam <laughs> and the things that uh, that you guys can discuss and that that is helping you so tell us about being a mom and a district manager at the same time, Athena, what are some of the challenges of that? And what do you like most about it? I always say being a mom is my greatest adventure. My second greatest adventure is being a district manager. So <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I became a DM pretty early on in my son's life. And one thing that I loved just right off the bat was the fact that he was surrounded by incredible people. And I love that he had the opportunity to experience things. It's just incredible things, things that I, you know, didn't have the opportunity to experience as a, as a child. So, you know, obviously things like traveling internationally, like, you know, him, him being able to experience Costa Rica when he was in kindergarten, like that was incredible for him. It was so funny when I took him back to school. He has so much attitude, by the way, my son, he's just very certain of himself. He, he knows exactly who he is and, and no one can say any different, but it was, it was hilarious after our trip to Costa Rica, when I took him back to school, one of his friends asked, you know, what did you do for your spring break? And he very subtly just gave this side eye and he, he just responded with, I was on a beach in Costa Rica. What did you do? And, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, oh my goodness, sit down. Um, <laughs> but, so so I, I love that he, you know, he's able to experience so many incredible and unique things. And again, I love that he's surrounded by just incredible people. And at times, you know, balancing being a mom and being a district manager can be stressful. Those are definitely things that require your full-time attention, like 100% of your attention. You're, you know, being a business owner, your business should have 100% of your attention, but being a mom, your kids get 150% of your attention, you know? So early on, it, it was very challenging to balance both, but what I learned was there doesn't need to be a disconnect. So now I just bring my family into my business. And yeah, what I love more than anything is, is never having to sacrifice anything. You know, when uh, he plays football and uh, he's a large nine-year-old, so he's a, he's a good football player. Uh, he's very, very good. But one thing that I love so much is that I'm able, I have the ability to make it to every single football practice. I will never ever miss a game. I, you know, I will never have to apologize to him for, you know, for not being able to make an event because as a district manager, we have the ability to literally create our own lifestyle. Right. And Mm -hmm. I love so much about that is in creating a lifestyle for myself, I'm teaching other people and I'm giving other people the opportunity to step up and really become who, who they want to be and, and really gain what they desire to gain, you know, within our organization. So, you know, like my sales manager, when I met him, he didn't even look me in the eye when he shook my hand. And now I can trust that he, when I'm away, he runs my organization with integrity and at the highest level, Um, you know, but while I'm doing, you know, while he's doing that, I'm able to pour 100%, 150% of me and my time and my effort and my attention into my son. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> that, it, it's incredible that you're able to balance it so well. What does the schedule look like for you in terms of when you're working and how you're balancing, you know, work and personal life? Yeah, schedule is fun. I definitely do things a lot earlier than than most of my peers for sure. So I typically start my day at five, and I do typically like go on a run or meditation. I'm, I'm big on morning routines, so my morning routine starts, you know pretty early and uh, we leave for school around seven. Um, my son's school is, is about a 45 minute drive from from my house. So take him to school and then come back home. And my first call is usually at about nine. And then it's back to back until I go get him from school. And while he's doing homework, I'm recruiting. And then when I'm wrapping up my recruiting day, my AMs are, are taken over and running workshops and you know late interviews, that kind of thing. And I'm able to focus on him and, and, you know, get dinner ready and, (laughs) and uh, again, do practice and, and anything that he needs. Yeah. And then nighttime is pure family time for you. Yeah, absolutely. Every so often, you know, if we, if we have a fast starter that I'm really working like really closely with, then, you know, I'll, I'll take some PDI, but for the most part, yeah, just 100% family. Yeah. And then training, is it a collaboration between you and other DMs? How is training run for you? So training is, it's just our district team. And I know that my son is not going to be, you know, little for, for very long. And uh, I know within the next few years, he's going to be driving himself to school. So something that's so small in me going to pick him up from school and driving him to school, I really cherish those moments. So. I like one of my non-negotiables is I got to pick him up from school every single day. And if Mm -hmm. I'm not able to, then it's, you know, like something, something really big is going on. So typically I run training until I got to pick him up from school. And then he focuses again on, on homework or does other things. And then I wrap up training and then it's all back to him. So you have it scheduled where you can run a section and then one of your assistants or, or, branch and new DMs in your district kind of step in and help. And then you come back a little bit later in the day. Absolutely. That's yeah. exactly it. Awesome. Sounds good. It's cool. I, I think it's just great that you're able to balance being a single mom with a nine-year-old, like a nine-year-old, that's a lot of responsibility. I feel like it's, it's more like I, I have kids that are seven and four and, you know, I just think 
nine sounds like it's even more responsibility because yeah, he can, he can handle himself from time to time, but there's a lot of activities and so many things going on and, and that you're able to balance that along with having such great success in your business. It's really admirable and it's such a shining example for a lot of other people to be able to follow down the road. I think part of why I'm able to balance is because, again, he's such a significant part of my business and my staff knows, they know him, they know my schedule, they know what I'm willing to move around and and what I'm not willing to negotiate at all. And I don't try to do it on my own. And I do have a whole lot of help. So, I mean, in the event that like somebody is not able to cover training, my, you know, my sister is there to help and I have other people that help as well. I have a, a personal assistant that does like all of the minuscule things that I just don't seem to make time for like grocery shopping, you know? So mm-hmm. that has definitely been helpful. I think that was a, really a, a catalyst in, in my, my ability to, really just stay calm and, and stay on top of everything that I, I needed to, you know, take care of while also being able to just pour into the people and, and the situations that require that. Yeah. I think when you have non-negotiables, as you've suggested and, and really advised here, it gets you to think about all of the activities that happen over the course of a day or a week. It gets you to think about what am I going to do? What am I going to delegate? And what am I going to eliminate? Right. And there's some activities you've probably just eliminated that you don't do because there's they don't fit. And there's some that have to be done, but you're not going to do them. So that those are delegated and you've trained people to be able to handle that. And then the rest is the stuff that you do. So it just starts with that understanding of what are your non-negotiables. And I think that's a good point that you made. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So cool to hear. Athena, I know you experienced a very significant personal tragedy not too long ago. Can we talk a little bit about Caden and what happened there? Yeah. So Caden Montoya, he was a uh, he's actually the district manager of our neighboring territory, and he was also my person. I don't necessarily like to say that he was my my boyfriend because that just doesn't seem doesn't seem big enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, doesn't seem deep enough. And while we weren't engaged, we definitely were living, you know, a very, we would always say a very married life. <laughs> and he was really, he was really my partner in, in everything and all things life. And my son is not biologically his, but he was his dad. And in, uh, in 2018, November 21st, he, it was the night before Thanksgiving, he and his younger cousin went out to grab something from, from his office. We were setting our house up for Thanksgiving and what was supposed to be a, a quick errand did not pan out that way. He was in a, he was in a car accident three minutes away from our house. Yeah. And he, um, he died in that, in that car accident and, uh, his younger cousin followed, uh, a few minutes later. You make plans, you know, and I learned that, man, I had this idea, like I had this clear idea of like what our life was going to be. You know, it was like, sure, we'll have obstacles, whatever, but this is, this is it. This is, this is where, this is like that place that like people talk about, like, this is what, what happy is, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Caden and I were not perfect in any way. We argued we were too similar in, in the way that like we butted heads so often, but there was so much love there. And, and that was it. You know, he was, he was who I was going to spend my life with. And, um, when that accident happened, it felt like the idea, it felt like this plan that I had and it felt like the life that I envisioned for us just completely shattered. And and that's, that's really what it was. It just, there was no more possibility of it, you know? And when I say he was my partner in everything, he was also my best friend. So, you know, the person that when you're having a bad day, when you're going through something that you don't want, you just don't want to deal with, you know, the person you want to run to is, is your best friend, right? Your closest friends. And mine just wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does someone 
continue after an adversity such as that? Well, the year following that, you know, be honest, like the next six, seven months, like following that, it were just a complete blur. I had a lot of, a lot of family support, honestly, like Rocky mountain showed up in a, in a big way. I called Drew, um, the next morning, you know, around, around four or 5. AM <laughs> I called him a few times, but told him what happened. And he said, I'll be right there. And he Drew took care of everything. He made it so that all I needed to do was just focus on my son and focus on healing. And he even took over my staff. Um, he and he and Patty, Patty Breeden, they they really guided my team and and they made it okay for me to for me to not be okay for a little while. I'll be very honest. Um, um going back to work and going back to my organization was not something that I wanted to do. I, I felt like in some ways, like I I was betraying him and I felt really guilty for, for being able to continue my life when so much of it was, you know, I had planned so much of it just with, with Caden and he was no longer able to be a part of it. Um, so I felt really guilty for a really long time and I, I had so much anger and so much, so much resentment for anyone around me that was happy mm-hmm. <laughs> anyone around me that felt any, any kind of just happiness or, or peace or anything but hurt and anger. Um, you know, and I, it, it got to a point where. I didn't know how to look myself in the mirror and, and continue living life. So, so as far as, you know, how does somebody continue? It was, it was really dark (laughs) for a while. And, and for a while I didn't, I didn't think I, I really knew how to continue Mm -hmm. and I, and I really didn't. So I did the only thing that I could and I just asked for help. So you know, I, I talked to Drew a whole lot and I mean, Maz and, and Kevin and, and Adam and, and Patty and, oh man, obviously my, my family at just, you know, they let me just call them and just cry and, you know, and share stories and share memories and where I'm at right now. And the level of peace that I feel is I, I give them just so much. I, I just have so much gratitude for for, for them and, and for really just allowing me that time to, to not be okay and not judging and just filling, filling my, my home with, with flowers and, and with love and, you know, and, and just with support, um, at Lloyd, Lloyd and Bruce, man, um, countless conversations with Lloyd Reagan, just about, just about me not being okay. I, I vividly remember one, one day I, I walked into my office and man, it was, it was really, it's still really challenging for me to be there because Caden and I set up our office spaces together and, you know, I, I'd like walk into a room and there's like, uh, one thing I think about specifically is, is this TV we have in our training room. It took, Caden spent four hours trying to mount the TV took me 20 minutes <laughs> and, and we argued about it cause he was upset. And, and, uh, I remember he, he just like quickly stormed off. And then 30 minutes later, he came back with French fries and flowers and he apologized for yelling at me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I talked to Lloyd one day for over an hour, just about that. And I shared the story with him. And so, you know, I, I had a lot of support. And I, I, I took time. I took a lot of time and I, I started going to therapy and I put my son in therapy and I, I really just, I, I learned that I had to really allow myself grace and I had to, I had to be okay with not being okay. You know, and I, I I think it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And, you know, I, I got to the point where I saw really just my son and, and his concern for me. And 
I didn't have the option. I got to a point where I no longer had the option of not being okay because, you know, I had, had a little person (laughs) that, that had, you know, he had just lost someone who, who loved him so much and who he loved so much. And he, he really just lost his dad, you know, and he needed his mom. So it was one of those things where it was like, I got tired. I got tired of just, I got tired of feeling lost and I got tired of, of not knowing how to help him. And I got tired of really just not living the life and feeling guilty about, you know, being able to continue my life. I I got, I got tired of not living the life that Caden would have wanted me to live. And then eventually I got to a point where, I don't know, after many hours journaling and, and, you know, countless hours in therapy and, you know, just so many conversations and just time on my own and time with my son, I just got to a point where, you know, I, I just realized I, I needed to stop living my life in this idea and I needed to start living for me. And I needed to start living my life in a way that honors, that really honored the person that I was, you know, when I, when I first met Caden, the, that honored the, the growth that I experienced with, with Caden and in a way that honors the version of me that has the privilege of continuing to live, live life. So I just made a decision to really to, to have better habits. And I I made a decision to put myself first. So I focused a whole lot on my, on my health. I've had, I've had some very interesting health issues throughout my life. And yeah, so I really focused a, a whole lot on my, on my nutrition. I focused on, again, just healthier habits. So I spent, I spent time outside, went for more hikes. I started running again and I, I found positive habits that really, really brought me peace. And I stopped spending time on things on, on situations and on people that brought more pain. I, I stopped trying to please everyone because no matter how hard you try, you just can't do it. You can't please everyone. And I, I really just focused on bringing, bringing the best that I could to, to every situation, every conversation that I, that I had. And I, I realized that as long as you, again, just bring as much love and light to, to everything that you do, you can't go wrong. And I don't know. I, I I also learned that as long as you are doing your best and you are, you are pouring into your cup before you try and fill anyone else's (laughs) because you can't pour on an empty cup. Right. So I I learned that as long as you're pouring into yourself and again, just doing your best God or the universe or, you know, whatever you believe is, is really going to bring good things to you. And yeah, so I, I think it's a, it's an ongoing thing. And I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily, you know, a loss like this. I don't think this is something you'll ever fully heal from. I mean, I've heard the term grief comes in waves several times over in the last few years. And sometimes it's a, it's a small teeny tiny wave and you just feel it for a second. And sometimes it's all consuming and it is okay not to be okay in those moments, but it's also okay to be okay. And it is also okay to, again, just feel things, but find a way to move forward. Mm-hmm. Wow. Athena, that was, um, that was really, really, really powerful that, uh, the last 10 or 15 minutes here has been maybe the most powerful 10 or 15 minutes I've experienced in, in doing this and hosting this podcast. Like, um, what you just shared was so important for so many people to hear the idea that it's okay not to be okay when you experience, you know, any sort of adversity at least for a while, the fact that you curated such an amazing support network in advance of this experience and how much that helped you to have that, those relationships with the RMD 
your family and friends and other people that were there for you. And then the phrase you stated of, you know, you got tired of not living the life that Caden would have wanted you to live. I think that's such an inspiring way to look at something like this is, you know, how would the other person want me to live? What would they want me to be like and experience? And and then gradually being able to, to step into that. And it takes time to be able to do that. But you've clearly been able to, you know, move your life forward in a way that is positive and is so inspirational to so many people. And um, I just give you great credit for that. And thank you for being willing to to share yourself in this way with that story, Athena. That was that was amazing. How is uh, experiencing a challenge like that? How does it change how you view life's normal ups and downs? I spent most of my life experiencing, you know, obstacles and then asking myself the question, like, why is this happening to me? And I think so many people just, that's the default question, right? Like, why is this happening to me? But I'm a firm believer in life just happens and it's, it's going to happen. Sometimes it's unfair, but most of the time it's, it's beautiful and it's exciting and there's so many opportunities, right? So life is going to happen but your mentality, your mindset, how you approach situations will, will really determine your outcome. And this is, I mean, I've really applied this to, to everything, everything, even just down to being stuck in traffic. (laughs) You know, most people, you know, can see most people just sit there frustrated and angry and it's like, you can't change anything, you know, focus at like, you're going to sit there, whether you're, you're frustrated or, you know, whether you're having a good time. So how you approach things and really your mindset and your mentality that will determine your outcome. So again, so just to summarize, life is going to happen. Just focus on what you can control and, and control that. And really more than anything, what you can control is, is you. And, and, you know, your mindset and your mentality when it, when it comes to situations, whether they're obstacles or, you know, just great things. Yeah. Yep. And and if someone can learn that coming out of such an immense personal challenge, I think that we all can put a perspective on the things that are sort of the day-to-day challenges that we, that we are experiencing. And I hope any listener can understand that. Before we wrap up, let's talk about your recent successes and just what's working now in your business. You're having a great year. Uh, what's going on? Well, actually, so I was talking to a friend of mine, Gina Nappi, who is uh, who is also a, a Silver Cup champion. But uh, yeah, I was talking to her a few weeks ago about this exact thing. And, and uh, one thing that she mentioned was, I'll paraphrase a little bit, but one thing that she said was, uh, you know, when you spend time just focusing on, on the right habits, the right systems, good things follow. But when you focus too much on the results, the results will never be what you expect them to be. So I think one thing that, that we have shifted into in, in our organization is really just focusing on systems and habits and doing the right things. And I've really detached myself from our results and from the CPO you know, for so many years, I attached my value as a person to the amount of CPO that our, that our office sold and it didn't feel good. So I, I mean, I didn't feel good. My people didn't feel good. So yeah. So one thing that is really going well is just teaching my people how to do things and being okay with us falling on our faces sometimes, but you know, more times than not, if we're, if we're focused on just doing the right things and and teaching our people how to do things properly and just having fun and being okay with making mistakes because mistakes happen. And and again, how you approach mistakes will really determine like what comes next. Right. So instead of getting upset when my, when my people make mistakes or when I make mistakes, I just take responsibility for it, laugh about it, and then learn how to, how to really just adjust, you know? So, I mean, that's really going well. Also, I mean, we, we took a deep dive into our, into our numbers and a deep dive into, into our systems, everything from, you know, our, our recruiting scripts to 
our interviews and, and everything that we do in training and, and even just how our people feel, you know, when they, when they leave our organization and when they come into our organization and we looked at things that we felt really good about and things that weren't necessarily working and we just focused on the good. Mm-hmm. What's the, the biggest sign of just what's working well for you that a, a vector manager could take and, and contemplate? I think, well, for me, the first thing that I noticed was our, our show training. So we, again, we just took a deep dive into our numbers. We consistently throughout the, throughout the fall, we had a 39% show to training and I, that just blew my mind. 39%, 39% of people that we spoke to bought into what we were selling. Hmm. 39%. What? We're not doing our jobs well. Not at all. So what do we need to, what do we need to refocus on? Um, and we changed our scripts. We, we really changed our, our mentality. I mean, I talked a whole lot about mentality and we, we really focused on our, our team's mission statement and how we want our people to feel coming into our organization. We readjusted and we went from a 39% show as an organization to a 56% show as an organization. And so that was really the first thing that I saw. And that's, that's my staff and collective. And, and even that it's like, cool, it's almost 60%, but that's still 60%. There's still room for improvement there. Right. Uh, I mean, you definitely have to leave a little bit of room for, you know, the people that just are not cut out for this and, and that's okay. But we get to a point where it's like 75, 80%, 80% show to train. So that was the first thing that I, that I saw from here. I think it's really just how, how are people really just build each other up and, and really the culture that we've created. I, I kind of took a, a book out of Paige Weber's book and, and, you know, we're, we're just very upfront about what we're expecting and about our, our standards, even just something like communication, you know, I, I make it fun, but just also very, very clear about what we expect. And, and we raised our standards and, and our, our people have risen to those standards. Yeah. So I, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks, Athena. Well, as you look into the future, what what's your vision for the future for Athena Lopez? A number of things. So right now I'm actually in culinary school and I've spent a, a greater part of this year focused on really just organic foods and, and natural herbs. So my my long-term goal is I I would like to eventually work with people and, and teach people how to utilize organic foods and, and herbs for, for healing, because that was a, a significant thing for me. But I also see myself with, with Cutco for a really long time. And our goal for this year is to sell a million. And uh, eventually, I'd like to be a division manager so that I can impact people in the way that you know, Drew has impacted me. Yeah. That's great. Well, with a with a uh, 327k spring campaign, you're well on your way to being able to hit a million for this year. You've really had made such great strides here in the last year and a half. It's been incredible to watch from afar, and that you know the depth and power of your story is so inspirational to so many people. I'm really glad that we were able to share it here in this medium. And I'm grateful for you spending time on the podcast, Athena. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I trust that you found that conversation to be as powerful as I did. Wow. Really? That was a wow. Amazing to hear Athena's story, starting the Cutco Vector job with a two-year-old son. And navigating that while in college and advancing and then becoming a district manager. And now he's nine years old and uh, is her greatest adventure being a mom. I love how she said that she doesn't have to, there doesn't have to be a disconnect. Uh, you don't have to sacrifice anything, right? The, the genius of the and is a concept I think about when it relates to how Athena has approached parenting while being a district manager, that you can have success in both areas and have all of what you want in both areas. And it starts by knowing what are your non-negotiables. And she clearly has a good list of those for herself. I think about the time Athena spent curating such amazing relationships with the other people in the Rocky Mountain Division 
and how important that came to be in her life in the wake of the tragedy involving Kate and Montoya. We are all working on building relationships, and that time that you spend in doing that can be so much more important than any of us even realize. Right? Who are the key people that you're curating relationships with? Who would be your support network if you encountered tough times or difficult times? Nina made a great point that it's okay not to be okay. If there's anybody out there who's experiencing some level of personal difficulty, right? It's okay not to be okay when you enter into that experience and that she referenced that she asked for help, right? And that, uh, you know, she had that great support network to go to both in Vector and out of Vector with her family and that that helped her get through uh, the initial stages of the difficulty. And a turning point for her was deciding that she wanted to live the kind of life that Caden would want her to live. And that's an inspirational way of viewing a difficulty like she experienced. She channeled that into focusing on her health and her own wellness, filling her own cup, and then in her business, developing habits and systems that would lead to success, regardless of who is performing the day-to-day activities and without an over-focus on immediate short-term results. And of course, all of that has led her to a great place, both personally and professionally now. And you can certainly see that the future is getting brighter and brighter for Athena Lopez. I'm so grateful to have had her as a guest on the podcast today. This was really a powerful episode. Hope you enjoyed this and grateful for you taking part and supporting the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 